Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. This is the NTT20 podcast betting show sponsored by Betfair. This podcast is for over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Head to Be Gamble Aware if you're thinking of placing a bet this weekend to brush up on the risks that come with betting. I'm Ali Maxwell. On the line with me is George Ellick. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Really well. Got good energy from the betting show at the moment because it's been a good run, a really good three weeks, actually, particularly for you. You had a good week last week. Sheffield Wednesday, your nap winning at 7-5. to five. Giovanni Brown scoring a beauty at 3-1. to one. BTTS, yes, in Blackpool against Bristol City at 4-5. to five. Uh, You are up 15.21 points, says El Arbitro Hugh Davis, from 18-point state in the last three weeks. It's been a, a really strong run. I'm up 7.14 points in the same period. Last week... Yeah, Bolton stuttering at Morecambe, a huge blow. My first nap loser since December the 12th. Wow. Now, there's an asterisk there. One week, we didn't have any naps because we just did goal scorer picks. And one week, my nap was called off due to COVID. But other than that, I think it was five in a row. So that was a bit of a blow. Uh, but I did get Northampton, my next best up at 13-8. to eight. I laid Southampton at Coventry, and that game was a draw after 90 minutes. That was a winner. 1.55, the lay, and Birmingham Sheffield United went over 2.5 goals at 23-20. to 20. So I was just about in profit overall, despite the nap uh, loser. Um, I like the energy chat, though. It's like the, the French radio station that, if you look at it in English, is NRG. But when you say it in French is energy. Yeah. So I wonder if we should speak to them about maybe hosting the betting show for a bit. Like they can just go out there in like the evening, like Friday evening. You know, you know what else happened on a similar theme there, which was really cool. Um, French defender Julien Escudet uh, of Sevilla. There was a point where on the back of his shirt, he just had the letter S, the letter Q, which in French is coup, and the letter D, which in French is de, escudet, which is pretty cool. Wow. That is cool. Thank you. What's your nap this weekend in the EFL? Yeah, my nap in the EFL is QPR uh, to go to Barnsley and win. Um, you mentioned a second ago that I have a a few, well, a line of thinking here. I think there are quite a lot of teams in the championship that look like value to me away from home. I think Sheffield United look like a better Huddersfield. Um, I think that Cardiff look like a big price at Millwall. I think Preston look like a big price at Posh. I think Cov look like a big price at, at uh, Reading. I think Bristol City look like a big price at Swansea. Um, so a fair few of them, but I am leaning with QPR as being the best of the lot. Now, I come to you fresh off an evening at the Kayan Prince Foundation Stadium, um, having watched QPR draw two or with, with Middlesbrough. Um, on the balance of play, I would say that Borough were the better side. Uh, I don't think QPR by any stretch put in a poor performance. Um, they were kind of mitigating circumstances I mean David Marshall made a very good save at 1-0 and certainly Borough had the, the better of the first 20 minutes um, but QPR basically because of Dykes being able to win loads in the air even against Dale Fry um, and then the interchange and the, the play between Willock and Chair was so impressive uh, I tried to get Willias as a nickname off the ground yesterday didn't seem to work too well um, but <laughs> there's still time um, but they um yeah, and I think Chair coming back into the team. I mean, it, it was a bit of a funny one with with Chair, where, um, you know, there was a lot of concern about how QPR would cope with him moving to, um, with him going to to Afcon, um, and he 
went there and Willock stepped up and their form improved. So there was a bit of concern as to whether or not his return would would see a bit of a dip. But Willock was superb. Chair scored the opening goal. He missed a very good chance at 0-0 to put them 1-0 up as well with a one-on-one. And Borough were just very good in the, in the second half and in, in the last half an hour especially. And there's nothing, you know, there's no um, shame in that. QPR were gifted a goal by Joe Lumley, uh, which pleased the home fans. Um, but they're, they're genu- they genu- generally were very good against a Borough side who don't give up many chances. And when you consider the opposition they've got here instead, you know, QPR went off about 7-4 or four for the game against um, against Middlesbrough at home. They're now going to Barnsley and they are uh, a, a very backable 19-20, um, to 20, so just under even money, which I think has to be sided with. Barnsley... Still searching for their first win under Poya as Baggy. Uh, finally got a goal um, against uh, in the last game against Luton. Um, but it wasn't enough and they lost 2-1. And a lot of my reticence to to kind of get against Barnsley recently, ever since kind of just squeezing through uh, in the Bournemouth 1-0 win over them a couple of weeks ago, um, was that their defensive shape looked much better. But uh, Luton had a, an XG of 3.4 for the game. They created loads of chances. Barnsley were pretty much all at sea and you're starting to wonder now maybe as Baggy is having to try and find a way to get them to score goals and, and that will come at a cost in terms of their defensive setup. Um, they are abject, they're 40, they're on 14 points, they're the bottom of the table, they're getting relegated. Um, I do wonder if, I mean, was there any possibility that that they would be able to to go back to their former manager now out of work, Valerian Ishmael, to, to get him back in? Probably not because they're going to be a League One club next season. So, um yeah, I think QPR should be fine. Um, Chair came off after an hour, blowing hard, but he, you know, he should be be, be better for that run out. Um, this is just one team that's far better than the other team, uh, with a lot at stake for the away side as well. So, you know, anything around about the even money mark, nineteen to twenty, uh, I think is, is strong value. Fairly similar vibes here. Uh, so my nap is Coventry City. You mentioned that you also think their value that's pleasing. Um, you know how it's the year of the stance. Yes, I do, yeah. Stance then, wherever they will be. Yeah, you know how I slash we can't stop putting the word stance into song titles instead of the word dance? Yeah. And you know how it's been getting a bit out of hand? Yes. Well, with apologies to everyone. Everybody stands now. Yuck, this party. Stance, everybody. Make it cough in this party. Don't stop, Mark Robbins. Yuck, this party, stance, everybody, make it cough in this party. Everybody stands now. <sighs> it's going to look stupid if they don't win now, isn't it? Oh my god. Okay. Yeah? <laughs> Whoa. Wow, mate, that was totally insane. I can't believe what was, what was happening there. Now, Coventry are my nap at 2.1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. They're heading to the Select Car Leasing Stadium to help Reading and their fans celebrate their 150th year anniversary of being a football club. The only problem is Reading's fans are not in party mood. Six defeats in a row in the league for Pauno's men, 12 defeats in their last 17 games. Paunovic is still there as the manager. I think it's fair to say that no one's quite sure how or why. We've had a lot of messages on it on the NTT20 squad from fans of other clubs being like, what? What is, why is that? Um, and there's not 
any particularly good answers. There was a sort of suggestion that it might be down to uh, the embargo or the restrictions that they're under in the EFL, that the EFL was saying, no, you can't just waste another uh, X amount on on sort of compensation for a sacked manager. I'm not sure if that's true or not. It doesn't really matter. Paunovic is still there and will be this weekend, and he's overseeing some horrendous performances at the moment. Players like Lucas Schwau, Yirdom, Roman. Michael Morrison returned from injuries in AFCON. They made the squad and the starting eleven look a little bit stronger. I thought that would help them, but they still look so poor at the back. They still look so low on confidence, in spirit, in belief. They are as soft as tissue paper, and we've seen it time and time again. They were poor again in midweek in losing to Bristol City. And basically, you know, you've just spoken about Barnsley, consensus worst team in the championship. I mean, in the last three months, I'd say Reading have been pretty much on a par with them, but the difference being they picked up a few more points at the start of the season. Coventry come to town, and this is really where the stance lies. It's it's not so much Reading are bad, because that's not really an impressive stance, but it's Coventry related. I, I obviously um, backed them, in a sense, in laying Saints uh, in last week's FA Cup draw, uh, and they played well, and they lost the game in extra time, and it continues this slightly strange run that Coventry are on, where... In the last 17 games in the championship, they've lost six and all of them by a single goal. They've drawn seven of them and they've won only four of them. And every single Sunday, we get scouting Sunday scouting reports along the lines of Coventry were excellent. Um, I can't believe they're not still up there. They were brilliant today and we were quite lucky to get the win or we were lucky to get the draw. Coventry looked a really well-drilled team with some good players. And so it's quite confusing. You know, the underlying numbers don't, give me any cause to, to think otherwise. They show a playoff level team over the last 8-12 games. You know, the stance is, by every measure except the final score recently, Coventry is still a really good team. Uh, still a team that plays well, that creates chances, that has good technical players in midfield, that has goal threats, that rarely collapses, that rarely give away really sloppy, stupid goals. It's a pretty peculiar situation. But they can win games. They have won games. They tucked away a, a poor Peter Brasside away from home a few weeks back, 4-1 in that game. And if Reading are, are anything like what they've been recently, I, I would expect that to be similar here. Jokeresh has, has got to be mentioned here. All signs from this season point to him being a real streaky confidence finisher. He had nine goals after 11 games. Then he didn't score in 13 league appearances and now has three in four in all competitions. Some cracking performances as well. When he's on it with his pace, his mobility, his power, um, and he gets tons of shots off, I think he can be too much for defences. And from what I've seen of Reading recently, I see no reason why Giok wouldn't be a massive handful for them. So I basically think Red uh, commentary are so much better better than Reading and so that's it Giok this party dance everybody Jesus. make it cov in this party don't stop Mark Robbins what's your next best my next best is um I mean is it a stance maybe um a team that I'm looking to get with fairly consistently now to the end of the season uh in Port Vale if it looks like a stance and it walks like a stance probably a stance <laughs> yeah I think it probably is a stance um yeah, Port Vale have had a few pretty tasty performances recently. Um, we saw them have the better of the game last time they played at home against the champions-elect uh, Forest Green Rovers, and they drew that game one all. and they could rightly feel aggrieved not to have won it. Um, they then went uh, to Carlisle, and they were um, massively punters before the Carlisle game. You know, they were 2-1 to one a couple of days before the game. They went off near enough even money. 
uh, and justified that with a, a pretty resounding 3-1 win at relegating threat in Carlisle. Um, I, I think there's still a bit of their earlier poor form that's baked into their early prices at the moment. You know, we saw them lose three consecutive games against Salford, Swindon and Newport at the turn of the year. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened there, to be honest. Um, I think Port Vale have, have, according to the the numbers, have been one of the best teams in the league pretty much all season and now operating that level they should be. Um, Northampton are a side who I've, you know, I've looked to get with on occasion this season. This is a massive game. I feel like coming into this one, Cobblers will probably take a point. And, and I just can't get away from the fact that winning by a single goal with one of John Guthrie or Fraser Horsfall scoring just cannot be a sustainable method to go go up. You know, they, they do clearly have other players. I think the loss of Kiana Tete has been a, a pretty big blow for them in terms of what they can do in open play. Um, and yeah, I, I just think in this game, you know, Bezabal has clearly been, been brought in who could be a good option for them and, and should offer something a bit different. Um, but I'm, I'm going into this thinking Northampton are, are maybe a team to who are going to have a little bit of a wobble at some stage because I'm not entirely sure their means of picking up points is is that solid against the Port Vale side who I think are, are better than the market um, or certainly the early market. I think they're being back regularly with good reason. So my next best also in League Two, following you around here, uh, it's Crawley Town, 2.4 with the Betfair Sportsbook to beat Hartlepool this weekend. It's a Crawley side who have been improving over the last few weeks and months. Uh, I've mentioned them a few times on the Monday pod and how impressed I've been and I'm very pleasantly surprised as well. I thought I had a pretty strong handle on a Crawley side that were always going to be inconsistent and were probably going to struggle to punch their way into the top half. But they've done that with five wins, three draws and two defeats in their last 10. And I see a team that's grown in confidence. I see a team that makes a lot of sense on paper, one with a lot of competition for places, a lot of attacking players in good form. Initially, it was Kwesi Appiah. He's been out for weeks now, not seen for a while. But Tom Nichols has been thriving. Ashley Nadison at times. The new signing, Aramide Ote, I think was a really good pickup. Not sure what happened with his release from Salford, but Crawley have benefited and he scored a good goal in midweek. Uh, they've got threats from out, out wide off the left with Sarula. They've got Ferry as well. And Powell and Payne keeping things ticking over in midfield. I, I'm really impressed. Um, they're not that solid defensively, and I won't claim that they are. But um, they've been good enough to, to win five of their last ten, and they're they're improving as they go. Now, Hartlepool is what it's probably more strongly about, if I'm honest with you, George. I, stuff that surprised me, even me, in researching this. Not much surprises you. Almost you've nothing. Seen, you've seen it all. I've seen it all in this game. Uh, so uh, let me run you through a brief timeline, George. October the 23rd, Hartlepool beat Harrogate and they are seventh after 14 games of their latest, of their sort of first season back at the level. They've won seven of their first 14 games. October 29th, out of nowhere, strong rumours that Dave Challoner, their manager, is being pursued by Stockport County. Peculiar, Stockport County are in the league below. Probably won't happen. October the 30th, Hartlepool lose 5-0 against Leighton Orient. November the 1st, Dave Challoner leaves Hartlepool. November the 2nd, Dave Challoner appointed at Stockport. From that point, from the start of the rumours, so just before that Leighton Orient game, they've got the worst record in League 2 in that time. And there are some bad teams in League 2. Let's be clear about that. 11 points from 14 games, Hartlepool. Two wins, five draws, seven defeats. Away from home in that time, Seven games, zero wins, two draws, five defeats. Even at the start of the season when they were winning games, they tended to be home games. They've struggled on their travels. This isn't 
the Hartlepool that came up. It's not the Hartlepool that started the season. That was our concern when Challenger left because, although we didn't cover them in the National League last season, in doing our research about that promotion, a lot of it came back to Dave Challenger uh, and you know the fact that they were able to lose their key attacking players from that team and still start the season well only bolstered his reputation in my eyes and they are currently, post-Dave Challenger, as bad as any of the teams down at the bottom of League 2. Uh, in terms of Scunthorpe and Oldham and Walsall, that's their level right now, I'm afraid. They're away XG ratio, the second worst in the league. They do not travel well. They've got a long way to go to get to Crawley. And I think they'll meet a really confident Crawley side. Yems is getting a, a good tune out of his players at the moment. They're attacking with vim and vigour. Uh, as I say, not that solid defensively. But I think they should have enough to beat this poor Hartlepool side. That's my next best at 2.4 Crawley Town. Don't forget that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and multiples. No cash-out suspensions whatsoever during games uh, on match odds bets for all EFL matches this weekend and always. Which leads us to the Betfair Exchange, where we'll put up a lay bet each, George. Yeah, I mean, I'm always pretty reticent to do anything Oxford-related on this podcast oh. because I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like it often goes quite wrong. Is that fair to say? Yes, um, we know it. We know it goes wrong. <laughs> LR Beatro will be, oh, his, he will be clenching his fists here. I'm laying Oxford at, at even money at 2.0 on the Betfair Exchange. It seems mightily short. Um, you know, going back to my nap, I. I just think anybody who thinks that QPR are as likely to beat Barnsley away as Oxford are to beat Bolton at home is is wrong. Um, the, the 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 result in midweek again against Accrington wasn't a massive surprise for anybody who's um, who's been following Oxford in recent weeks and months. The the results have definitely been good, but the performances haven't quite been as good as we'd seen previously. Um, you know the the win over over Pompey came very late, as did the win over Sheffield Wednesday, who were good. Um, you know the Gillingham game was was clearly ridiculous, um, and they can probably playing Gillingham at their their rock bottom was was fairly handy there. Um, but then at the same time, Oxford are very good at home, and um, you know Oxford are, are a very good side. Notice I'm saying Oxford, not we, um, with 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 lots of good players and. You know, I still think are, are a pretty good shout to finish in the top six. This is more about Bolton. And I'm I kind of I get confused with Bolton. I was on Charlton Live on um, Tuesday night and watched the whole the whole game, and was fairly, um, you know, the way that Ian Everett talked about his playing style. You know, I, I read a lot of quotes from him before the game talking about whether or not Carl Dempsey would come into the side, um, talking about Aaron Morley, and he was like, you know, it's the way that we play. We ask our midfielders to do something completely different to other clubs, and it's going to take them time to realise that. He talks, and you know we've often heard him say that Bolton the best footballing team and stuff. It, I just don't the 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 thing that they're best at, and what impressed me the most on Tuesday was that their their pressing of Dion Charles and Dapa Falayan is unbelievably relentless, and they do not give ball. You know, Charlton like to push their centre backs up high. They like the players themselves like to to knock it around a bit, not quite as much as Elliot Moore and possibly Luke Manali will. Manali could well be missing this one. Um, he had a a mate of his sadly died, uh, and so he was flown back to Ireland um, for that reason. So we don't know if he'll be in the right state to play here. Kieran Brown has uh, injury issues as well, so we're not entirely sure he'll be playing centre back, which helps. But Oxford are a side who under under Robinson keep the ball 
amongst the centre-backs and whoever's holding the fielder, which will be Herbie Kane here, a lot. And Dion Charles will be rubbing his hands because he will not give them a second. We saw Fambo's mistake um, lead to um, Charles's first goal on Tuesday. I think stylistically this game plays massively into Bolton's hands because they're very happy to sit in and let Oxford have the ball in front of them as well. Uh, they come here on in some really good form. They have a belief that they can force their way into the playoff reckoning. Um, that yeah, there are a lot of th- these two teams are pretty evenly matched at the moment, and even during Bolton's poor runs, as again in the data, they've they projected pretty well and they look like they've been underperforming. This is going to be a difficult game, and um, I, I think fifty percent chance of Oxford winning is a little bit optimistic, even if I say so myself. Well, funnily enough. It's an A420 derby of lays because I'm laying Swindon Town uh, in League 2 at 1.66 with the Betfair Exchange. I didn't think there was a ton out there that I was keen to lay this weekend. I'm happy to go for this. It's a short enough price that I feel like there's um, a smaller risk, of course. And let's be clear, Scunthorpe, who are travelling to Swindon, are a, a very poor team, a very poor away side. They've lost eight of their 15 away games this season. And they're just off the back of seven defeats in the league in a row uh, before they beat Walsall 1-0 in midweek. But this is just statty, I guess. Swindon have been bizarrely poor at home all season. They've only won three, George, of 14 home games at the county ground this season, which for a team that's been in and around the top seven for most of the season is, is pretty astonishing. And maybe it's stupid and too simplistic, but I'm just happy to say that no team that's won what, just over 20% of their home games and picked up less than a point per game for the last 12 games in the league should be around the the 1.6 mark to back. Uh, So I will be laying them this weekend. Swindon fans are a little frustrated in the last week uh, or two because the the performances, the results have been poor. The style of play is fairly uh, rigid, of course, high possession-based style and not bearing results at the moment that they've sort of they've they've slowed down offensively uh, they look like they're struggling to solve problems going forward Josh Davison on loan from Charlton not quite filling the Tyree Simpson shoes Johnny Williams went off injured uh, in midweek as well they lost 3-0 to Tranmere they will have a big boost here Louis Reed and Jack Payne both back that is not good for my lay but you know, it might be that Scunthorpe are too weak a side and Swindon have too many good players and with McCurdy and co, they can get back some confidence here. Uh, but I, I'm hoping Scunthorpe takes some heart from that win in midweek, um, take some heart from, you know, Walsall's form, for example. They, they will not feel like it's over yet and I hope they'll dig in a bit. I think they can frustrate the home fans here who can get on the backs of those Swindon players and uh, see what happens from there. I'm laying Swindon at 1.66. Goals next. Yeah, I'm going over two and a half in the game you previewed earlier between Reading and Bristol City. Um, I think the decision of Reading to let Liam Moore go to Stoke whilst bringing in Tom Ince is a pretty weird one, given their, um, I would say, comparative abundance of attacking talent compared to what they've got defensively. I know that Liam Moore obviously fell out of favour um, with those at Reading. Um, but I think this kind of takes a couple of, of angles. One is that I agree with you that Coventry could easily blitz them and cover the over two and a half themselves. Um, I also think that Reading have shown that they are okay going forward. They've certainly got the talent now that Joao's back. Uh, Yakumete looks like he might make a return here. Swift came off the bench, which was a surprise last time. Delebashiru, you know, they're not short of attacking options. Hoylet came back in, Ince joining as well. Um, they should have enough about them to cause Coventry some, tr- some problems, but we know that defensively they are incredibly poor. Um, we saw the 4-3 against Huddersfield the other day. 
uh, just everything at this, every Reading game basically points to me. You know, Reading are not good enough defensively just to drop in and try and keep teams out. The only way they're going to pick up points is by fighting fire with fire and hoping that they can put the ball in the back of the net as more as many times or more than the opposition. So this should be end to end. I think they're you know nearly picking prices about overs and unders is wrong. I think there's way more chance this will provide goals uh, given what we've seen from Reading so far this season. I've landed three in a row of these since I decided to stick to singles. So let that be a lesson, I think. I'm going <laughs> to stick with it. But I am getting a little greedy, a chunky price today. At Fulham to score over 2.5 goals, the away team against Hull at 3.8. That's 14 to 5 with the Betfair Sportsbook. This is a Fulham side who we all know about. Uh, but just to remind you, they've scored 77 league goals. That's an average of 2.66 goals per game. Um, their 62.6 expected goals in 29 games shows that obviously there's a, a solid overperformance there, but they're still generating 2.16 XG per game, which is insane. Um, that overperformance, it's always tough to dive into the how and why that happens over and under performance. But the things we can see, the confidence flowing through the team, the, the varied threat that they have, um, the Mitrovic, 30 goals in 27 games. Um, we've seen it in front of our eyes. At Hull, this is kind of about them as well. They, they were, as we discussed, when Grant McCann was sacked and Shotaravaladze appointed by the new chairman, Ajun Illigili. They were a settled side. They were in rhythm. They were on the up. They had a clear plan. Players knew their jobs. Players were giving everything to a manager that I think they probably loved after winning League One last season. New owner came in, makes a managerial change. Uh, makes four deadline day additions, including two hotshot attackers that, to my eyes, don't obviously fit the system anyway, um, but are kind of coming in expecting to play. And the last few displays, they've lost all of the traits that I mentioned above. You know, they're, they're, they're looking at the reaction online to the defeat to Derby was very surprising and quite alarming, given that the last time I checked in on Hull City fans, they were very excited to be part of Ajun Ilijali's Turkish revolution. I, I think there's a chance that Shota hasn't, got a grip on things um, straight away and this is the worst possible opponent to come to town. Fulham has scored three or more in 14 of their 29 games, so just under half, uh, including five of their last six games. Uh, eight wins away from home in 13 and six of them they've scored three or more. So in general, if you think that Fulham are a good thing to win here, uh, six out of eight times they've won away this season, they've gone over 2.5 goals. Everyone's fit and firing. They look exceptionally strong. And I just think if Hull are a bit hesitant, if they have lost a bit of certainty after the change of manager, Fulham can steamroll them just as they have so many other teams this year. So um, if you go onto the Betfair Sportsbook, find the Hull-Fulham game, click on All Markets, and then the market is away team over and under. You'll find over 2.5 goals at 3.8, the current price. That is 14 to 5 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Remember, with Betfair, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll receive a £5 free bet. Also to use on multiples or bet builders, T's and C's to apply for that. Finish us off with a goal scorer. Tony Semenyo. Tony Semenyo. Tony Semenyo. Nice. Stop singing so much in this podcast. Um, Do they call him Tony, or is that have you started no, that? That's me. I mean, I've got nothing against the name Tony, but shortening such a beautiful French name as Antoine to Tony seems ah, that's a that's a bit of a slap to the face of the French language. It's like uh, Roberto Di Matteo is just called Bob Matthews, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Soldado. Bobby. Bobby son. Bobby soldier. Either was uh, Bobby's Bobby son daddy. Um, I yeah, Semenyo sixteen to five to score. Um, Any time away at Swansea, I am very worried about Swansea. 
I mean, I thought that performance a couple of weeks ago at, at Loftus Road um, was going to be the turning point. They look like a much better side there, um, but a couple of recent really poor performances. Uh, they will feel aggrieved about the Ryan Bennett red cards. Normally, I'd say there's no way that could be overturned, but I think the EFL may have, or the FA or whoever it is who, who overturns these things, um, may have set a bit of a precedent with the Ricardo Santos um, red card being overturned the other day. Um against for, sorry for Bolton against against Morecambe um because it clearly wasn't a deliberate handball from Bennett so we'll see what happens there uh but either way Swansea are conceding so many chances so consistently and Semenyo is still being priced up as if he's a winger I, I don't know why you know he's scored loads of goals recently I think it's four in his last six he scored twice against Fulham he scored last time out he's playing through the middle he creates chances he gets on the end of balls he is a threat uh, either with balls over the top or He's the one in the box from crosses as well. I can't really see why he's 16 to 5 to score any time um, when Andreas Weiman is 11 to 5. I wouldn't say that Weiman is, is necessarily even more of a goal threat than Semenyo at the moment. So at 16 to 5, I think he's still being priced up as if he plays a different position and therefore is a bit of value, as are City, I think, to win the game. Okay, here's a quiz for you. What is the link between these players, George? Jordan Hugill, Uche Ikpiazu, Billy Sharp, Scott Hogan. Carlin Grant, Matt Godden, Jerry Yates, Tom Bradshaw. Any obvious link that stands out to you? They have all scored goals in the championship this season. In particular, they have all scored goals against Peterborough in the last seven league games. That was eight strikers. They've all scored against Posh in Posh's last seven games. Wow. You might not count Carlin Grant. He normally plays off the left. Let's call it seven strikers in seven games and scored against Posh. Now, eight and nine games ago, they managed not to concede to a striker, which was impressive. But before then, a similar sequence. Diaz, Tyrese Campbell, Mitrovic, Danny Ward, Joel Perot, five strikers, all scored in the space of five games against Peterborough. They are a disaster defensively. Now, Preston come to town... Drew a blank in midweek, didn't they, against Huddersfield, but with a better side, just couldn't quite put Huddersfield away. They look way more threatening now under Ryan Lowe. And they have a striker in Cameron Archer, who is my goal scorer pick, which I should have already said, who I'm really excited about. Uh, he's he's 11-4, 3.75 to score here with the Betfair Sportsbook. And I think he's the most likely goal scorer in the game. You know, there's a small chance he'll be rotated out. I think he started the last two, including in midweek. I think he's such a menace. I think that would be a mistake. Um, and I think Ryan Lowe is pretty keen on him as well. He had five shots in midweek against Huddersfield. He had four shots the game before against against Hull. He's so confident for someone who's barely played any senior football. Can create shots for himself with his quick feet and skill. Great left foot. He scored headed goals. He scored right-footed goals. And this posh team is so bad defensively that I would always want to be with uh, a striker with, with that many well, with that skill set, and if Preston impose themselves, as I expect them to on this low-confidence posh side, then I think Archer should get a few looks. This season, his goal-scoring record is insane, Cameron Archer. So he played in the EFL Cup for uh, the Carabao for Aston Villa. He scored a hat-trick against Barrow, and then he scored against Chelsea in the second round. He played three games in PL2 for Villa under-23s, scored in two of the three. He played in the Pizza Trophy for Aston Villa unders, four appearances, scored in three of them, six goals in total. And for Preston so far, two goals in five appearances, two of them off the bench. So he's got 14 goals this season in those competitions. Transfer Mark reckons he's played 1,066 minutes and scored 14 goals. So that's one every 76 minutes. The kid, Cameron Archer, is dynamite. He's up against a horrendous defence, and I think he's going to score this weekend. 3.75 anytime. 
George, please, can you recap your bets? Uh, QPR at my nap, Port Vale, my next best, Oxford, my lay, over two and a half, Reading versus Coventry, my goals bet, and Tony Semenyo, score any time, is my goal scorer. Lovely. Coventry, 2.1 to beat Reading, Crawley Town, 2.4 to beat Hartlepool. I've laid Swindon at 1.66 with the Betfair Exchange. I've backed Fulham to score over 2.5 goals at Hull at 3.8. That is 14 to 5 in fractional terms. And my goal score is Cameron Archer, 3.75, 11 to 4 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Huge thanks to our sponsors, Betfair, for their continued support of this podcast. You'll see me on Quest, EFL on Quest, from the top, 9 p.m., two hours worth of action. Who are you on with? With Ian Holloway. Ian Ollie Holloway. Jackie Oatley called us IMAX last night. Ian and Ali Maxwell, IMAX, which I quite liked once I worked it out. So that's how we're billing it, and we'll be on uh, with all the highlights of a full slate at 9pm on Quest, and then we'll be back again on Monday, Valentine's Day, no less, to talk about our one true love, a full slate of EFL action. Go well, everyone.